Welcome to Ask AI, the podcast that brings you insightful interviews and news from the world of Canadian artificial intelligence. This episode is sponsored by Microsoft Canada. Microsoft is committed to building trusted and responsible AI systems. To learn more, go to microsoft.com AI and check out their free AI business school to start building intelligence into your solutions today. We're also sponsored by Cinchi, the global leader in data fabric technology. Visit cinchi.com to learn how to eliminate integration and turbocharge your AI transformation. Welcome to the latest episode of the Ask AI podcast. My name is Jackson Kahn, and today I'll be your host. I'm so excited to continue on this podcast and with a number of really, really interesting interviews that we've had for this season four. Today, I'm very excited to introduce yet another fantastic guest. Name is Roxana Sultan, and she's the vice president of health at the Vector Institute. Roxana Sultan leads Vector's strategic contributions to Ontario and Canada's health sector. Along with their health team and partners, Roxana drives applications of AI to life sciences, sponsoring research, health sector, and industrial sponsor projects, and various initiatives that help advance the health space within the Ontario health ecosystem. Roxana's career includes leadership roles within that Hinks Delcrest Center, now SickKids Center for Community and Mental Health, the Princess Margaret Cancer Center in the University Health Network, the Canadian Institutes of Health Research, Cancer Care Ontario, and the Hospital for Sick Children. Uh, as you can see, Roxana has many different institutional affiliations. She also is an adjunct lecturer with the Institute of Health Policy Management and Evaluation at the University of Toronto, where she teaches a graduate level course on intelligent medicine, machine learning, and knowledge representation. In addition, she's on a board role as the vice chair of the board of the Canadian Cancer Society, the Ontario Division. Roxana completed her graduate education with the Department of Molecular and Medical Genetics at U of T, and she holds a Master's of Health Science uh, from IHPME. Wow. What a biography. Welcome to Ask AI, Roxana. Thank you so much. So, so excited to have you in your cross-section of experience interdisciplinary with, you know, many focuses on health um, and also these aspects of AI and the work that you do with the Vector Institute. Wanted to see if I can maybe connect a few dots for folks who are listening in. Um, you previously worked directly in the a more, you know, the more traditional healthcare space. And, and I'm wondering what prompted you to begin to work more on, you know, the health data side of things, including with AI. Sure. So our uh, provincial health system really has a unique and significant opportunity in the form of its single-payer public health system. And I've had the privilege of working in the pediatric and oncology sectors in Ontario. And it's really been just remarkable to me to see how we've evolved our capacity and infrastructure to collect patient data across the continuum of care. So these data have been used to support efforts uh, within and across organizations to standardize information, to analyze and improve quality of care, and even to inform funding allocation decisions. But now we really have an unprecedented opportunity to harness world-leading AI research and innovation to build on this data advantage and to drive innovation and improvement in how we do things like clinical prediction, diagnosis, treatment, monitoring, and even at the system level, looking at how we drive efficiency in our health systems. So my exposure to health data across the various levels of the system really prompted me to learn more about AI and machine learning, or ML, and to just try to identify ways in which uh, key players in the system, such as scientists, academic and health institutions, 
clinicians, patients, government, industry could all come together and really drive innovation in the health AI ecosystem. That, that's so remarkable. And from some of the recent you know, work that you're doing, um, from some of the information uh, that you've been gathering, have you picked up on any large gaps that you see in our, in our current usage of health data? So certainly there have been some gaps, but those are, are always opportunities. You know, the first gap really is access to high quality standardized health data for AI and ML research. Researchers in the sector have been working with public or purchased data sets from international partners, or even in some cases, synthetic data to try to identify potential patterns and generate AI models relating to health services. But historically limited access to real data in the Canadian context has been a barrier to developing real world models that can deliver true value to the system. So to that end, you know, the Vector Institute has really been working with health data partners in Ontario to facilitate better access to de-identified health data for safe, privacy-enabled use by researchers. We've um, implemented a few of these uh, proof-of-concept projects, which we call Pathfinder projects, where we've been able to demonstrate the value of making this kind of data available for research and the consequent development of AI models that deliver tangible improvements in clinical care or even in some cases, system-level efficiency. Another significant gap is clinician knowledge and comfort level with, with health AI. As you can imagine, there, there can be misperceptions or even perceived threats uh, associated with implementing AI in a healthcare environment. And so a critical part of the work that we are undertaking at Vector, currently in partnership with the Michener Institute of Education at University Health Network, is to provide clinicians with opportunities for education and experiential learning to gain familiarity with health AI and to underscore the message that AI is not intended to replace clinicians, but rather to augment their practice. And one other gap to consider is the challenge of bringing research and implementation together. How do we create a bridge between the research that we do and the actual deployment of that research in a clinical environment. In Canada, mu much of the research in the health sector is funded and directed at the federal government level, whereas the delivery of health services is funded and directed at the provincial and regional levels. This can be a challenge in terms of aligning goals and driving deployment from research to clinical practice, and a key part of my portfolio at Vector is creating linkages between researchers and clinicians and providing opportunities for researchers to co-design solutions with clinical partners and test these solutions in their work environment. That's, that, that's such an amazing array, or as you mentioned, portfolio um, of projects that you're working on. I'm, I've always been particularly interested in, you know, how can you close the gaps in between clinician knowledge um, and their actual ability to, you know, engage with AI and, and engage with the data component. I'm wondering, are you able to tell us a bit more about the Pathfinders? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So the Pathfinder projects have been a very 
uh, concrete way for us to demonstrate how health AI can be translated into clinical environments. So we've had uh, a couple of examples in hospitals. We've also had one particular project with Public Health Ontario. And in each of these cases, what we've done is had a researcher doing work with real data and generating a model based on certain patterns and then partnering with the service providers to try and figure out how you can take that model and make it a reality. So one example is what we call the early warning system in general internal medicine at Unity Health Toronto. In that particular example, a model was developed and was implemented in general internal medicine units to try to identify or predict which patients would be at the greatest risk of escalating in symptoms to the point where they would need to be transferred to an intensive care unit or an ICU. As you can imagine, escalating to an intensive care unit is not a good outcome from a patient's point of view. It's not a good outcome from a clinician's point of view. And from a system point of view, it is incredibly expensive for a system to be able to continue to have patients escalating to that level. So the idea of being able to predict which patients are at greater risk is actually not only valuable from a patient-centered care point of view, but also from a system point of view. And this particular model, being able to flag for the clinical teams which patients would be at risk and what indicators were needing to be looked at, was actually a mechanism for having those clinicians or service providers focus their energy and attention exactly where it was needed and work together to be able to de-escalate and reduce the risk of that patient having a, a more severe outcome. So this has been in practice now at Unity Health and the team there has, has demonstrated that the, the implementation of an AI model has had an impact on clinical care. It's had an impact on how the team functions. It's had an impact on the overall system efficiency. And if you think about the simplicity of a model that can track something like that being implemented, although obviously it takes a lot more than, than how I'm describing it, but it, it is something that can have a significant impact on a lot of levels that are critical to a, a well-functioning patient-centered health service. Yeah, there's so much to, to dive into there. I, I wonder too, I mean, you not only are, are doing this work and, and working on these proof of concepts, building them out, but I know you're also doing broader education work through through your lecturing roles. And I'm wondering, and it, perhaps these, these, these pieces are connected, I wouldn't be surprised, but it, are there certain areas that you're striving to speak to right now um, in, in terms of the education work that you're doing or, or are there areas that we could learn more about what you're doing yeah. there? Absolutely. In my teaching, I really try to focus on just demystifying health AI. The more that clinicians and trainees can understand about how data science works, what it can do, what it cannot do, uh, what's valuable to automate versus what functions are necessarily human, the more comfortable they can be with the concepts and with embracing AI in their work. So, you know, as I mentioned, Vector is partnering with the Michener Institute to launch a six-week certificate program called AI for Clinician Champions. And the goal of this program is really to help transform the skill sets of practicing clinicians in Canada. 
And by supporting those clinicians as they prepare to, to, you know, work in a world where AI is going to be implemented into their practice, they will be better prepared to work with it, to not feel threatened by it, but to really understand how it can augment their practice. So this program is going to be running from early November until early December. And the goal is really just to start with a smaller group of clinician champions who can then support their teams back in their in their home organizations to learn more about health AI and to become more comfortable with it. And our partnership with Michener, which is supported by funding from the Future Skills Center, includes educational programs for clinicians and for administrators. So the hospital leaders who would actually be the ones making decisions about whether um, the hospital will support implementation of AI, will invest in its its ongoing maintenance and, and development. And, you know, as this program supports healthcare leaders with the strategic implementations of planning for and implementing AI in their environments, it's also assessing organizational readiness. A lot of things need to be in place. As I mentioned in my earlier example about the pathfinders, it's easier said than done because even though it may seem simplistic in terms of a model being implemented, a lot of factors need to be in place to support that from a technical standpoint, from an engineering standpoint, from a staffing and and training standpoint, and then as well from the ongoing maintenance and monitoring standpoint, because these models are not static. We don't just implement once and then walk away. The models learn more and more as you input more data. So the more patients get seen, the more information gets fed into the model, the model evolves over time. That's the the, um, crux of how AI and ML work. They learn. These are systems and softwares that learn. So the more that the data is inputted with more diverse patients and larger populations, the more effective and more fine-tuned the model becomes. But that requires ongoing organizational support. So a key part of our, our goal in providing education on this topic, not only to clinicians, but also to administrators, is to make people aware of what needs to be true to implement AI in in clinical environments. We also have other knowledge sharing events that are, are targeted at sharing use cases of health AI projects across Canada. I share these in my teaching at the university. These are also shared through various presentations and symposia at Vector and with our partners. And the critical piece here is just trying to reach as wide of an audience as we can to ensure people understand the challenges and complexities and opportunities of implementing health AI. I can definitely see the need for sort of the education and organizational support that you mentioned, particularly given that, you know, and I could totally imagine some clinicians or folks, if the models don't maybe have quite enough data right now, or, or maybe some of the predictions, the the insights are, are, are less accurate than ideally they would want. Being able to stick with it, um, I, I imagine, you know, continuing to input data in there and, and help it improve over time. I, I, I really hope that, you know, people really invest in those programs. We'll have to make sure to link to them, uh, to make sure that we can, we can help build these models uh, and help them sure. uh, continue to improve over time. I definitely think, you know, both the AI for clinicians and the AI for leaders programs focused on healthcare leaders. I, I think that that, those in particular sound really, really exciting. Be able to detail a little bit more about the work you're specifically doing to help incubate AI projects, especially in clinical environments. 
Sure. So we've got two primary areas of focus in the health space right now. The first, you know, as I'd alluded to earlier, it's really to facilitate access to de-identified health data sets in an environment that's optimized for AI and ML research. This involves working with health data partners in the system to determine what needs to be true for the data to be shared in a way that protects privacy, but still enables AI and machine learning, which has some pretty unique dimensions compared to traditional thesis-driven research models. So one of the unique dimensions of AI and ML is what's called exploratory research. And that sounds like a big thing, but it it actually is a very uh, logic-driven approach where the software or the, the programs that are being used need to have access to large amounts of data to be able to identify patterns or to be able to generate insights. Um, the traditional approach to research was to give access to the minimum amount of data that would be needed to answer a thesis question or a, a point of inquiry. That's almost turned on its head when you're talking about AI and ML, because it almost works backwards, so to speak, where you don't start so much with a thesis question and just a specific tiny data set. You start with as much data as possible and narrow down to a clinical question where it's clear that the data is giving you insight or telling you a story. So it's a bit of a unique approach that is different for a lot of the systems that we have in place currently, like research ethics reviews and, you know, legislation or regulation around how uh, how it's okay to work with health data. So a lot of this is bigger than just the research enterprise itself. And we're playing a role in driving those policy discussions and participating and sharing that perspective with decision makers in government and elsewhere to try and support a, a more robust approach to AI and ML for health research. The second major area of focus vector is the translation of these health AI models into practice, as we've talked about with the uh, Pathfinder projects. And if our researchers can generate a model for predicting risk or identifying pathology or monitoring patient health, then we need to figure out what needs to be in place for that model to be applied in the real world. We work in partnership with hospitals, with clinicians, with government agencies to facilitate the deployment of the model into day-to-day practice to drive improvements in health services, system efficiency, and population health, and bridge that gap between research funding at the federal level and provincial health system delivery at the the ground level. So we believe that by focusing our efforts on both sides of the continuum, enabling access to more and better health data, and facilitating the translation of the the research into practice, Vector can drive a high-quality, innovative set of improvements for the health system and for Ontarians. So much exciting work um, that's happening uh, at Vector and and with everything you're doing. To zoom out for a second, I'm just wondering, you know, about some of the outcomes of this work. You know, for example, who who might benefit the most um, from this kind of AI innovation in the healthcare space? And I'm also wondering if maybe you could speak to some of the broader implications around, you know, the impact of, of any potential bias in, in these algorithms as well, and, you know, some some potential inequities that, that could result of some of this work. That's a really important question. Bias in AI is, is certainly a key area of research. 
and focus for those of us in the sector. There is work being done on policy and practice related to what's called responsible AI and ensuring that we can work with the the custodians of health data, which tend to be hospitals or or government-based systems, to try and minimize bias in the data itself and to develop mechanisms to correct for inherent biases in the design of the models. So Vector works closely with the University of Toronto's Schwartz-Wiesman Institute for Technology and Society, which leads research to investigate and transform the ways in which we think about how technology, systems, and society interact. Vector's VP of AI Engineering and CIO is actually cross-appointed as the engineering lead at the Schwartz-Wiesman Institute and serves as the bridge between the AI and ML mandate of Vector and the responsible AI work that's happening at at the Schwartz-Wiesman. And the simple fact is that AI algorithms will always reinforce biases if the inputs themselves are biased, right? It's a case of garbage in, garbage out. Our researchers are increasingly active in identifying and working to address such biases, but it's it's a larger system level issue. So when we think about the nature of clinical care and and the services that are provided in the health system, if there are biases in those interactions, which are, are, you know, very human interactions, those get translated into the data. Those get translated into the models that are generated using the data. So it's really a a multi-level issue that needs to be addressed at the clinical service level at the policy level, and then at the research level for the AI and ML researchers. Now, Vector delivers courses on topics such as bias in AI for small to medium-sized enterprises and partners that have an interest in this area. And we recognize the importance of ensuring that research is conducted within a broader ethical framework. So we're uh, undertaking an organization-wide initiative that's focused on enhancing equity, diversity, and inclusion, not only in how we do our work and our research, but also in the ways in which we interact together and with the systems beyond our walls. And so this is a a significant area of strategic focus for us as an organization, for our funders at the government level, and for our partners in the system. And we believe that we are working toward a, a more coordinated approach to how we address this issue of bias, but it is certainly a work in progress and and more remains to be done. Love that message of of optimism. And I think you also, you know, realistically captured some of the challenges of of bias in in the models and and what that can invoke. I want to chat with you um, about maybe some of your other work as as well. I mean, you, you mentioned maybe in the context of your teaching that there can be a mix of clinicians and, and other folks, you know, for example, working in data, such as data scientists. And I'm wondering if there's anything particularly intriguing about AI right now for clinicians in particular. Yeah, absolutely. So clinicians are particularly interested in learning about specific use cases in the health system. So in my teaching, my class is about half and half uh, practicing clinicians and more data science-oriented or informatics-oriented graduate students. And I try to draw on examples from Ontario hospitals and health services that have successfully tested health AI models in their environments. 
And, you know, a compelling example is a new machine learning model that can create radiation therapy treatment plans for patients with prostate cancer. The model produces plans that have been deemed to be as good or better than human-created plans about nine times out of 10, and reduces a process that used to take more than a day to a matter of just a few hours, freeing up valuable hospital resources. And this was a model that was developed by a team that includes a Vector faculty affiliate and UHN researcher, Chris McIntosh. And it was reported as a cover story in Nature Medicine this past summer. It's believed to be the first model of its kind, and it's currently in use at the Princess Margaret Cancer Center in Toronto at the University Health Network. And use cases like these are really compelling for clinician learners because they provide a tactical, relatable example of how health AI can augment clinical practice without posing a risk to clinicians' own roles and without overriding their expertise and judgment. It, it's amazing to hear uh, just, just the impact of you know, how, how much better those plans can be and, and so consistently. I think that, that's incredibly exciting. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm actually blown away by that. Um, it is, it is and very it's also exciting. So cool that this is, as you said, you know, maybe the first model of its kind, and you know, in, in, in its, its sort of Canadian developed innovation. That's right. that's really really exciting. Moving on to maybe maybe some other aspects of, of of AI, particularly when it comes to health. You know, you spoke to bias a bit earlier. A couple other hot topics, of course, are you know the privacy implications, um, as well as how to govern the nature of the data involved. Are you able to speak a bit to that, in particular, in regards to health? Absolutely. Vector continues to lead in the development of modern data governance frameworks to increase access to health data for researchers with a focus on security, privacy, and confidentiality. Um, we partnered with the Canadian Association of Research Ethics Boards, CAREB, um, for an interdisciplinary panel event uh, that was called Research Ethics Considerations for AI Research in Health. And we had over uh, 340 stakeholders participate to discuss ethical considerations for novel AI applications in health, including how algorithmic tools are being designed and used in health research and AI-related issues such as privacy and bias. We've had some subsequent educational webinars that engage the Carib community in training on data privacy and security and addressing bias. And we've also had the opportunity to provide input into various government-led conversations relating to privacy regulations and the use of health data for research, including um, the design and implementation of the Ontario Health Data Platform, or the OHDP, which is driven by Ontario's response to the COVID-19 pandemic. We truly believe that we can play a critical role in driving the conversation about modernization of data governance and the interpretation of privacy legislation for innovative research methodologies like AI and ML. And as I'd alluded to earlier, this idea of, of data maximization versus data minimization really ties into questions about privacy and how can we balance between the need for larger sets of data to enable high quality AI and ML research 
with the need for managing and maintaining the privacy and security of health data. And so this is a significant area of focus and endeavor for Vector and our partners, including the government. And it's an area that is, you know, a space for evolution right now. We're all learning and working our way through this together. It's it's not something that anyone has a simple answer to at this stage because it's so new and we're figuring out how to make existing systems that were designed for a very different kind of medical research adapt to, to support innovation and new methodologies like AI and ML. Yeah, it, it always seems to be one of the most sort of difficult topics to, to come out with clear resolutions on. Do you, do you think that there are going to be any upcoming sort of exciting announcements out of that work? It remains to be seen. I be think seen. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's a, a lot of activity happening, you know, and especially the efforts that that our provincial government in Ontario has made to drive the the OHDP as as a part of the COVID response. It's really escalated these conversations and accelerated them. I think these were thick topics that were percolating and and you know difficult to to really um, wrap our heads around. And when the pandemic hit, it really became the, the burning platform to push these conversations and talk about how can we drive you know, new approaches to research that can be a, a lot more uh, nimble and a lot quicker than some of the traditional approaches. And you've probably heard that you know, AI and ML were a part of, of some of the vaccine solutions for COVID internationally. So we know that these are methodologies that have potential to drive very rapid innovation, but we need to have the systems in place to support them. Definitely, definitely agree. And, you know, excited to keep following that work. And, and hopefully one day, you know, we do have a, a really clear and fantastic, ideally developed in Canada um, privacy framework. And Agreed. that would that'd be really wonderful. And, you know, I'm excited to hear some of the work that the government uh, come up with as well. Speaking of the Ontario government, uh, can't have a podcast these days without at least mentioning COVID-19 and our response in, in some context. I wanted to specifically ask you, I know that there is some work that Vector has has been doing or has done with the Ontario government in, in response to um, the pandemic. And I'm wondering what, what, if anything, came out of that collaboration? Was anything in particular launched or published? Yeah, for sure. When, when uh, the provincial government sought to leverage AI for its pandemic response, Vector helped accelerate that effort by diverting our high-performance computing equipment to the Ontario Health Data Platform, or the OHDP, which is now powering research on topics like disease outcomes, hospitalization rates, and social inequities associated with the pandemic. Um, Our researchers participated fairly regularly within meetings with the Ministry of Health team that was leading the OHDP design to advise on critical enablers for AI and ML research and to provide thought leadership for uh, the specific methodologies aimed at improving privacy and de-identifying health data. And as a result of these regular conversations and the infrastructure that was made available, the, the pandemic really expedited critical research access to health data for innovative AI analysis and applications. And by linking health data sets from a variety of sources to create an unprecedented volume of rich connected health data, 
the OHDP has really provided researchers with the potential to anticipate epidemiological trends or generate new clinical insights and develop treatment innovations to support the COVID-19 responses in, in Ontario. And our vector researchers are now using the platform to lead vital COVID research on topics like, you know, the allocation of resources, uh, such as tests or ventilators and staffing, and in particular, the impact of COVID-19 on specific social groups. So as an example, Vector faculty member and UHN researcher Bo Wang and his team have been able to access de-identified long-term care patient data through the OHDP and have published a paper in the Journal of the American Geriatric Society called Predictors of Mortality Among Long-Term Care Residents with SARS-CoV-2 Infection or, or COVID. And this is really a, a great example of how access to health data in a, in a connected, uh, centralized location facilitated by the government has driven insights into disease mechanisms or into approaches to, to managing the, the pandemic in a very unique way that could not have been done, even if this had been, you know, three or four years ago really even two or three years ago. And so it's really uh, an escalation of, of pace. It's been a, a truly partnered approach between government and researchers and clinical providers to make sure that we could get the data in a, in a place and in a way that is, is amenable to the research that our, our teams are doing. I, I think it's incredible to hear how rapid some of that change has been. I also imagine that it feels fantastic to have been able to help in such a critical time for, you know, for the province, the country, the world. So congratulations to you and the team for all of that hard work. Thank you. It's, it's really been a, a true team effort and it's, it's great to see the coming together of so many different partners in the system and, you know, obviously government and and health service providers are, are critical players in making sure that the researchers can do what they need to do. So this has truly been a, a team effort. Well, thank you so much, uh, Roxana, for, for sharing some of your experiences today. Is there anything else that you want to leave our listeners with? I think, you know, at this stage, we're just really trying to share as much as we can on the opportunities of health AI and, and get people excited. I mean, this is a topic that impacts every single one of us. We, we all have our own connections into the health system, whether it's through primary care or acute services or, or other points in the system. And this is a topic that can impact the way that that care is delivered, the opportunities that we have as a country to really drive innovation in health research. And so we really encourage people to learn more about it, to get excited about it, to ask us those difficult and challenging questions that push us all to, to do better in this, in this very new space. So I would just encourage your listeners to, to continue to be curious and learn more and ask. This is a, a great opportunity for learning for us all. Well, then that's a great, great prompt and, and great way to, to leave it, Roxana. I'm very grateful to you for, for sharing your experiences again. We'll be sure to ideally link to some of the different programs, certificates, pieces that you've mentioned with the Vector Institute um, to the audience. For any folks looking to, to engage with those, uh, ideally they can find them 
Thank you again. And thanks as always to our sponsors, Microsoft Canada and to Cinchi. Uh, to all you listeners out there, remember to send us your questions, your feedback, and any community news that you want us to mention to info at askai.org. Thank you again for joining us on another episode of the Ask AI podcast. And that's it. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Ask AI podcast. The sponsors of this episode were Microsoft Canada, producers of the Free AI Business School, and Cinchi, the dataware platform that makes integration obsolete. The series producer was Chris McClellan. The series editor was James Fajardo. Original music was provided by Mike Letourneau. To learn how to be featured on our podcast and get information about sponsorship and volunteering opportunities, please visit our website at askai.org, send us an email to info at askai.org, or talk to our bot by visiting askai.org forward stroke chatbot.